0: I should just say that we had a few slight sound issues in the Stockholm studio. They shouldn't be too noticeable, but just good for you to be aware of as you listen to the podcast. Hello and welcome to Sweden in Focus, a weekly news podcast made possible by members of the local. We are recording this episode on the 1st of June, and with a big NATO summit just over a month away, we'll discuss whether Sweden's stalled application might be approved in time for the big meeting in Lithuania's capital, Vilnius. We also have Sweden's National Day coming up, and we'll be talking about how readers of the local plan to celebrate. We'll also look into the student graduation tradition that will see teenagers in white caps pouring into Swedish town centers on makeshift parade floats over the next couple of weeks. We'll chat about why Swedes try to avoid making babies that will be born in the summer. And finally, we'll talk about what we know about Sweden's planned tests for permanent residency. And we might even put our panelists through their paces to give listeners a flavor of what to expect. If you want to become a member of The Local and support our independent journalism, you can find a link to our latest offers in the notes. I'm your host, Paul O'Mahony, and with me today in Stockholm is James Savage, and we're joined from Malmö by Becky Waterton and Emma Lovegreen. How are you all? Good.
2: Yeah, not bad, thanks. Not bad. How are you, Paul?
0: Thanks for asking, Emma. Uh, I'm, (laughs) I'm very well, thank you. (laughs) Uh, I think that's the small talk out of the way, isn't it? On to the news now. And of course, the reason Sweden applied to join NATO last year was the heightened risk of Russian aggression after the full-scale invasion of Ukraine. And we'll get into the latest on the status of the application in just a moment. But first, we did actually have an incursion into Swedish waters on Sunday from a suspected former Russian underwater spy. What can you tell us about this story, James?
1: Well, this former underwater Russian spy was known as Valdemir. Um, And Valdemir is not your normal kind of spy. Valdemir is a whale. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Valdemir Valdemir was first discovered off the coast of Norway in 2019, um, which is when he got his name. Val, meaning whale, Mm -hmm. and Vladimir being a famous Russian name, name of the Russian president, no less. And the reason that they thought that he was a Russian spy is that when he was first spotted off the coast of, coast of Norway, he had a harness around him, which contained the words Equipment St. Petersburg. And it looked like it had an attachment for attaching a camera to it. Mm. So this obviously, for good reason, made the, made the Norwegians wonder what the heck this whale was. So they took the harness off him. Mm. Um, and, you know, he's been allowed to swim around the waters of Norway ever since then. And he now has made an incursion into the waters of Sweden. He's been spotted off the southwestern coast of Sweden. Now, I think it's probably unlikely that if he ever was a threat to national security, that hes I think it's unlikely he's a threat to national security now. Mm. The the strap, such as it was, has been taken off him. um, And it seems like the most likely reason for him having come to Sweden was not spying, but was just that he was horny it was mating season <laughs> and he he was he was after shag <laughs>
0: And the fact that um, this harness contained the word Saint Petersburg maybe suggests that it was that he had escaped from a training facility or something.
1: So the theory was, and I don't know exactly how reliable this theory is, but uh, the theory that was put around in Norwegian media, at least, was that he may have uh, may have been part of some top secret military mm. training facility yeah. and have escaped from there. Mm. Um, but I, I have no idea whether that's particularly credible. I mean, it sounds to me like you could have escaped from a. From, from from a water park, but it seems to be that, that certainly that was a the theory going around in Norway that it was a that it was some kind of military military training or some some sort of military use that they that they'd envisaged for him. Okay. But it seems unlikely that he was spying at this stage.
0: Okay, should we move on to the more serious matter of uh, Sweden's NATO application? And we've spoken before on the podcast about how nothing was likely to happen until after Turkey's election. Now that Turkish President Erdogan has won a runoff vote for re-election. Is Sweden any the wiser on when and if Turkey's parliament plans to approve Sweden's membership of the alliance?
1: Well, not really. We haven't really heard anything from the Turks about this. Um, What we have heard is that that the Americans and uh, the Secretary General of NATO, Jens Stoltenberg, are putting a lot of pressure on Turkey. They're saying to Erdogan and and to their their counterparts in in Istanbul, they're saying, OK, you've had your election now. We need Sweden in NATO. We need to get this wrapped up. When are you going to get on with it? Mm. Not really got much response, as I say, from, from 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 Turkey about that. But what they have been doing is they've been raising the subject of some F sixteen jets uh, that we've talked about before in this podcast right. that Turkey really wants to buy, yeah. um, and that America is now um, you know in the process of trying to sell mm. to to Turkey. But if you listen to what the Americans are saying, that we're seeing, we're getting slightly mixed messages. Biden, on the one hand, seemed to imply in something he said that these two issues were connected. Mm. But Secretary of State Antony Blinken is saying that these two things are not. Specifically right. connected. So exactly how much the, these two things are related is, is a little bit bit obscure. But clearly, you know, that's been at least part of the discourse that that um mm. that this is this is this is something that the Americans have on the Turks that, that they can use as as, yeah. as 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 to try and get this through.
0: So it does sound like pressure is being brought to bear. And do we have any news on on Hungary, the other country yet to ratify?
1: Well, sort of. The news that we have about Hungary is uh, from a slightly obscure source. But the leader of the small Christian Democrat Party, or sorry, the former leader, about 20 years ago, leader mm. of the um, of the Christian Democrat Party in Sweden, Alf Svensson, was at a conference recently where he bumped into Viktor Orban. <laughs> and uh, he... As you, do. as you do. And at this conference, he sort of collared Orban and said, well, when are you going to approve Sweden's NATO application? And according to Al Svensson, who went and blabbed to the Swedish press about this afterwards, Orban said he would do it once Turkey had approved. So implying that really, once Turkey had pushed things through, Hungary wasn't going to stand on its own and prevent Sweden from from, from joining NATO. Which stands to reason. Clearly, if Hungary was the lone standout Standing out against uh, mm. against Sweden's membership of NATO, it will be put under intolerable pressure. Yeah. It feels unlikely that Orbán would want to what w- want to have to. Uh, go through that so.
0: yeah yeah unusual source for that story but a very
1: unusual source and you wonder you wonder how orban will feel about his um the contents of his private conversation being leaked to the press i don't, I don't know it probably won't help anything but it mm. probably won't do much harm either I,
2: I, yeah. I love that story about alf Svensson, the former christian democrat leader it feels very swedish pensioner to just grab a world leader by the arm and go <laughs> why aren't you approving sweden it's time for you to cut your hair and get a job to you Thanks for those updates.
0: We'll link to our latest stories on NATO and indeed Valdemir the Whale in the show notes. It's Sweden's National Day on June the 6th, which is great because we get the day off. But it's also a particularly special National Day in that Sweden is celebrating 500 years of independence. Becky, can you take us back to the year 1523 to explain the history behind this being a jubilee year?
3: Yes, I can. Sweden's National Day has been a public holiday since 2005, where it replaced Whit Monday. It was first celebrated in 1916 to honour Gustav Vasa, King Gustav Vasa, who was elected mm. on June the 6th, 1523, so 500 years ago. Um, and Gustav Vasa's election is kind of widely considered to be the formation of the country of Sweden, like modern Sweden as it is today. It marks the end of the Danish-ruled Kalmar Union, so I guess you could say it's Sweden's independence day, although it happened so long ago, I doubt many Swedes consider it a day to mark the liberation of Sweden from the Danes. I mean, nowadays, many people, including me, book the day before off if it's a klemdag to have a four day weekend. So that's kind of one thing to keep, uh, keep in mind is that your workplace will probably be quite empty at the beginning of next week if you've not got the day off before National Day. Um, maybe I'll celebrate by nipping over to Denmark and reminding them of our independence. Although I doubt they remember it either. This year is also 50 years since Sweden's current king, Karl Gustav, ascended to the throne. So it's a double jubilee. 500 years since Gustav Vasa and 50 years since Karl Gustav. So that's quite cool.
0: I was listening back to the episode we recorded this time last year to hear what we said about National Day. And we talked about things like how National Day only became a public holiday a few years ago, that it's a day for citizenship ceremonies. And Becky, you talked about the fact that it's a lot more low key than, say, May the 17th in Norway. So... In Sweden, there aren't big National Day parades, but there is a lot of meeting up with friends, maybe for a barbecue and a few beers. So it's relatively sedate, whereas midsummer, a couple of weeks later, can probably stake a claim to be the de facto national holiday. But we were interested to find out how readers of The Local are marking the day on the 6th of June. So we asked that question on our Facebook page. What kind of responses did we get, Becky?
3: Well, like you said, there's quite a lot of people that would be said they would be celebrating getting Swedish citizenship. So they'd be attending some sort of ceremony organized by their by their city or by their council. One person said they'd be changing their profile picture to the famous poster Fuenda Flagjan, which is a poster of a burning Swedish flag with the word Köken or Kok written on it. Folk in Gothenburg, who run Swedish courses, said they would be giving their students the day off to celebrate in Slotsgjuggen. Although I think they would have got the day off anyway, because it's a public holiday, presumably. But it's still a nice idea. And there was also one person who said they should be singing at Frederiksdag Museum in Helsingborg. But other than that, I think most people were just looking forward to a day off and a lion.
0: Another thing we were talking about this time last year was Swedengate. Do you remember that? Why don't Swedes feed their children's friends? Uh, It was funny to listen back to it, I have to say, and we'll link to it in the notes. Emma, you weren't here to defend your compatriot's honour, but you're here now. And we'd love it if you could tell us a bit about something else we covered in that episode, namely the annual student graduation tradition. It's I think especially interesting to get your perspective on this as someone who's actually been there and done that. So can you talk us through a Swedish school graduation day?
2: I'm sure it varies a bit from school to school, but usually what happens is that the day actually starts before the official school day starts with an informal champagne breakfast in a park. Which is exactly what it sounds like. The, the graduating students just gather and drink champagne, or generic bubbles, anyway.
3: Do they also have breakfast, or is champagne their breakfast? Yeah, that's the breakfast. Okay, it's a liquid breakfast. Yeah. <laughs>
2: it's a champagne breakfast. And I find this funny because you graduate when you're like 18 or 19 years old in Sweden, and at this age, you're not yet allowed to buy alcohol from the shop. And people aren't really supposed to buy it for you either. At least not like in large quantities. So basically, they're all drinking champagne because a parent or older sibling kind of waded into this legally grey area and bought it for them, and literally nobody cares. Like the police never crack down on champagne breakfasts, and the school is definitely aware that it's going on, but it doesn't. You know, it doesn't bat an eyelid when the students show up tipsy before 9 a.m. And I love how Sweden is such a rule-following society. Except when we somehow all collectively decide that, no, today we're going to make an exception and let underage kids get drunk because you only graduate once. But anyway, after that, those who can still walk in a straight line, they turn up at school and you have sort of end of the school year ceremony with, you know, speeches and performances and grades handed out and so on. And I think that bit is probably more or less the same in a lot of other countries. And then after that, you graduate, which happens when you spring it. you run outside, you run out through the door and onto the steps of the school building where you're greeted by family and friends and all your relatives are there and your neighbors. And they're usually quite hard to spot in the crowd. So they'll often cl- carry like a placard with your name on it and an embarrassing childhood picture. And your parents, usually the ones to to make this picture, and they'll usually have made it in in secret so that you don't know what it's going to look like like my daughter she's just over a year old and every time i take a funny picture of her i say ah, that's that's the graduation placard yeah, we do
3: that as, yeah. we're like oh we got to we have to take a picture of this that'll be a great student picture exactly
2: and the next thing that happens after that is that all the newly graduated students they get into cars or onto the back of trucks and they drive around town and they sing and they dance and they scream and they drink and they are super loud and would be so easy to find annoying. But for this day, only, nobody seems to mind. Like strangers smile and wave at them. And it's just such a joyful atmosphere.
3: I think as well for Swedes, most people are like, yeah, I did that. So they should be allowed yeah. to do that. Do they have an official dress code? Because I think most of the girls appear to wear like white dresses.
2: Oh, yeah. You, 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 tr- you tend to wear white. Okay. Yes. Everybody wears white and you wear a white cap
1: the caps are lovely they look like sort of almost nautical little caps they're, they're very cute
0: Th- those alcohol rules you were talking about I'm kind of clueless on all, on all this because I don't I don't drink and I don't really know what happens at the sustainable or it's a strange world to me so so they can they're allowed to drink because they're over 18 but yeah. you can't you can't buy until you're 21 is that it
1: exactly
2: 20.
0: okay 20 20 20 okay yes
2: and you're not supposed to buy for them either.
3: But you can, you can drink in restaurants and bars. You can drink in restaurants 80, and you, you can also drink a little bit
2: at home if it's like very small quantities, I think. It's ridiculous.
1: I mean, are you allowed d- to drink or you're not?
3: Well, the, the idea is if you're in a restaurant or a bar, then you have a bartender there who supposedly is meant to not serve you if you get too drunk. Like they're looking after you.
0: James is going to get upset if we if we talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Emma, have, the, have these um, traditions changed at all since you graduated?
2: Uh, since I graduated, I wish you hadn't phrased it like that because it makes <laughs> me feel really old. <laughs> but yeah, it's been almost two decades since I graduated. And actually, I don't think it has changed that much. Like, I know they've made the rules around kind of partying on the back of trucks, like the, the floats a bit stricter because there have been quite a few accidents over the year. You're not allowed to drive any faster than 20 kilometers an hour. You have to have railings around the truck to make sure that people don't fall off and so on. I should maybe have mentioned this earlier when, when you talked about it uh being a weird thing that they all celebrate the relief of like the final exams because you don't actually do final exams in Sweden and you probably already know what kind of grade you're going to get by graduation day. And my husband, who, who isn't Swedish, he always thinks that the graduation festivities are a little bit weird because we make such a big deal in Sweden about graduating from high school Like, it's almost a bigger deal than graduating from university. And, like, let's be honest, it's actually not that hard. (laughs) (laughs) Um, In the 1940s, which is when my dad graduated, if you failed your exams, you weren't allowed to run outside with the rest of the students. You had to leave through the back door. (laughs) So it used to be even more than a rite of passage. Oh, and by the way, my mother always fed my friends when I was a child.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: thanks for that emma and we'll add links in the notes with more information on the student and tradition Just before we get on to residency tests, let's talk quickly about why summer is not an ideal time for mothers to give birth in Sweden. In our midweek episode, the healthcare journalist Anna Gustafsson from Dagens Nyheter answered a reader's question about maternity ward closures in northern Sweden. But we didn't speak much about the fact that there are too few midwives in the Swedish health system. An interesting finding emerged this week showing that Sweden actually doesn't lack qualified midwives, but the regions which are responsible for healthcare are simply failing to retain them, mostly due to terrible working conditions. Why is this especially a problem during the summer, Becky?
3: Well, it's due to Sweden's fantastic working conditions. (laughs) Not really, but kind of. So all workers in Sweden are legally entitled to four consecutive weeks of holiday during the summer months. And healthcare workers are no exception. So your workplace can ask you to move a week of holiday or move it to a time that suits them better. They can't tell you to take it in like December, but they can ask you to move it around to some other point in summer. And lots of maternity wards have done this. Some of them have offered... As much as twenty five thousand krona for moving a week of holiday. Mm. Um, now I have already booked my holiday off, but I just want to make it clear in this podcast that if if you really do need me to work one of those weeks, I would happily accept twenty five thousand krona for for moving that. Just shooting my shot here. Anyway,
1: um... <laughs> I'm not listening. <laughs> He's literally and... not. He's on his phone. I think. <laughs> <I'm totally laughs> <not. laughs>
3: anyway, this coupled with the fact that for some reason more babies are born in sweden in summer i guess there's not much else to do in sweden in autumn means that maternity wards have their busiest period right at the time where they have the least staff so it's not ideal really
0: thanks for that becky and you wrote a very helpful article this week detailing the situation this summer in each of sweden's regions and we'll put that in the notes for anyone who wants to find out Let's talk now about tests for permanent residency after an inquiry tasked with investigating how best to implement language and society tests presented its findings this week. Now, this is just a proposal for now, but given how many parties want it to happen, it is likely to make it into the law books with a tentative start date of 2027. This will affect non EU residents of Sweden, but it won't apply retroactively. So, if you already have permanent residency by the time this comes into force, you won't have to take the tests. James, what does the proposal say about the tests themselves? Uh, How much Swedish will applicants need to know, and how much knowledge of Swedish society will they need to have?
1: Right. Well, there'll be two tests one in language and one in knowledge of society. The tests will be digital, Um, they will be in Swedish, they will consist in sort of one answer questions and each module will consist of two parts each lasting 50 minutes so you know quite Mm. hefty tests but your swedish won't have to be that good Mm. um the plan is for uh, is for them to test you up to the equivalent of sfi level c or A2 on the Common European Standard, Mm. which is classified as a basic level of Swedish. So you won't have to be that good at Swedish. You will also only be tested on your listening skills. So you won't be tested on speech or writing. However, the questions will be in Swedish. So in that sense, your reading skills will be tested as well. But again, that will be in relatively simple Swedish. So on the language side, you won't have to know that much. In terms of the society questions, they'll be testing you on very sort of basic things about living in Sweden. It's not history, it's not culture, it's about practical aspects Mm. of living in Sweden. So, stuff about um, supporting yourself and the rights and obligations of the individual starting a family, living with children in Sweden, caring for your health or growing old in Sweden. So a lot of these would be quite basic things, things that many people, once they've got to the point of applying for permanent residency, will already have encountered in their daily lives. But obviously, for instance, if you get questions about having children and you haven't had children yourself, you might have to do some reading up because it might be stuff that's unfamiliar to you.
0: What's the reaction been like to this news from readers of The Local, Emma?
2: The reaction to this news and... Also, kind of the reactions when we've written about similar news in the past is perhaps surprisingly positive. Some people do criticise the kind of spirit in which these tests are proposed, because they come at a time when Sweden is making life harder for a lot of immigrants in general. But quite a lot of readers seem to feel that actually asking people to learn the language and learn about society if they plan to live in a country permanently is maybe not unreasonable and could even help integration. Then you also have many who aren't really in favor of tests as such, but they kind of accept that this this is already being done in a lot of other countries. So it's not so strange that it's being proposed in Sweden. Uh, some people suggest that Sweden should accept substitutes for these tests. So like completing Swedish for immigrants classes, or if you've studied at university in Swedish, this should also count as like the equivalent of passing the test. So you, you shouldn't have to sit through it. The main thing that readers say is that if we want to do this, then the quality of SFI Swedish for Immigrants classes really needs to improve. Because although these classes are free, their quality varies wildly, and it's often quite low. I will read out one Facebook comment for you from a reader called Alina, which I thought was pretty representative of what a lot of people said and captures some of the criticism. And she says, I understand the idea. It's used in other countries too, and as long as it is well implemented, it can work. On the other hand, SFI is practically the only way to learn Swedish, which in turn is the most important factor in finding a job and integrating in society. So for me, writes Alina, the question is rather, if the government wants to start using these tests how much is the Swedish state then willing to invest in increasing the quality of SFI classes on a national level mm. so that immigrants would actually have a chance to pass the language test required for receiving permanent residency or citizenship?
1: It's worth remembering that many countries don't offer free language classes at all. Mm. I mean, there's a, there's another argument to say that, you know, if you don't think the classes are good enough, and you've made the decision to come to Sweden, there are reasonably priced private classes out there. So it's a choice you have to make.
3: I think one thing I found interesting reading the proposal is, so it's, it's 438 pages, you know, it's really thought through. They've considered a lot of different things in this proposal. They haven't just gone like, oh, I guess we'll do listening and I guess it'll be this long and whatever. And something I thought was really interesting is that they'd really tried to make sure that it wouldn't discriminate any kind of group in any particular way. So they they considered having the the civics test the society test in multiple different languages but then they said we can't translate it into everybody's native language and then that would discriminate against the people that don't speak that don't have one of the languages as their native language that we translate it into. They were saying that the listening test is good because if you haven't had a long schooling career, you know, <clears throat> if you maybe only completed high school, then studies have shown that listening tests don't kind of discriminate on the basis of your educational background. So I thought that was a really interesting kind of aspect of it is that they'd they looked into all of these different things and tried to make sure that there wasn't kind of one group that was more likely to pass it over another group.
1: These will differ from the sorts of tests that you have on citizenship, for example, because in citizenship tests, which we don't have yet in Sweden, but it's been, you know it's certainly um something that's in the works, citizenship tests will often test you more about knowledge of society and culture and history and the political system and that kind of thing because you know obviously if you're becoming a citizen you're forming a deeper relationship a permanent relationship uh with the country which in terms of permanent residency you're not really doing even if it is called permanent residency it's not it, it's it's some it's a status that you can lose for instance if you leave the country so these will be far more practical than the questions you'll get in a citizenship test but but still, you know, they'll be testing whether you are a reasonably integrated person and someone who can manage their own daily affairs in Sweden without recourse to help from others and the state, I suppose, most significantly.
3: I think this is an interesting point, actually, because there's a difference between a culture test and a civics test. Like this isn't going to ask you about kind of obscure aspects of Swedish history. It's going to ask you like, I mean, I don't know. Paul's probably looked into it more than we have, but it's going to ask you like, presumably, how do you contact a doctor? what rights do you have as a as a parent kind of thing it's really about like living in Sweden the actual kind of what are your rights what are your responsibilities what do we expect from you not like can you name every Swedish monarch for the past 300 years
2: if you're on paternity leave what do you drink juice tea or latte
3: <laughs> <laughs> or a champagne breakfast yeah I was going to say <laughs> <laughs>
0: And now it's time to find out if you panelists have what it takes to pass a permanent residency test. So what I've done is gone onto the informationsferia.se site which they're going to base the tests on and I've come up with seven questions and if I'm honest given that James has lived here for two decades and Emma was born and raised here I've tried to find the most difficult questions possible. I imagine the real test will be quite a bit easier. Are you ready? Yes. Okay, let's go. Okay, two things happened in the same year. The Riksdag, the Swedish parliament, decided that a working day could not be more than eight hours long and women got the right to vote in Riksdag elections. What was the year? Can I guess? Yeah. So
2: 1921 comes up for me in my head, but I wonder if that was when they actually voted for the first time. I'm going to say 19...
3: 1918? I thought it's... like 1890. I thought
0: like around there. Say say what you were about to say, Becky. Say the second one you were about to say.
3: 19, <laughs> 1919.
0: Correct! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> okay, next question. What is the name of the small town just southeast of Stockholm? where the trade union confederation (LU) and the Swedish Employers Association thrashed out the deal that laid the foundations for the Swedish model of collaboration between employers and employees.
1: I know this. I know. It's correct.
0: What, Fredrika, born in 1801, was a champion of women's rights in Sweden?
2: I know. Uh, Bremer.
0: Yes, Fredrika Bremer, correct. Okay, here's a question I think I've asked you before on the podcast quite a long time ago. How many regions and municipalities are there in Sweden?
3: Oh my God, I should have learned this.
2: <laughs> I know I, don't, I know the municipalities. Well, I think, doesn't that depend on whether you count Gotland as a separate region or not?
0: Don't get technical on me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so it's either 20 or 21. Yeah,
3: I was thinking 21.
0: Let's include Gotland. 21. Correct.
3: I know the municipalities. That's like a million municipalities. There's so many. Two hundred and fifty. I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying a million as my actual answer.
2: <laughs> the closest wins. So I like, okay. James guessed two hundred and sixty. Becky guessed a million. I'm guessing two hundred and ninety
0: is the correct answer. No way.
3: I'd like to state here, I don't have permanent residency, so I've got a few years to actually learn this.
0: Okay, which is currently the smallest of the eight parties in the Riksdag? And
1: how many seats does it have? It's liberal now, but how many seats does it have? It is liberal
2: now, yeah. So the liberal party. Is it like 22? No, it's 18. I'm going to guess
3: 18. Yeah, i I got eight in my head, which might be 18 rather than eight, because I don't think it is eight.
1: I'm going to go 19 just to differentiate myself, but it's somewhere around there. It's 16. Ah.
0: <laughs> okay, next question. What does SGI
1: stand for? Sver is <laughs> 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 exact. Mm-hmm. Exact. So it's 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 the it's
0: the
1: it's the it's your income which can be used to calculate how much money you can get in sick pay.
3: Well it's for parental leave as well, right? Parental leave as well, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. I should have known this because I was just on parental leave. And there are certain rules that you have to follow to make sure that you keep your hook pennings, than the incomes.
0: Yeah. If I'd said SKE, you would have known immediately, right?
1: Yes. I've never had hook <laughs> and I've never had a child, but somehow
3: I got that right. I feel quite proud about
1: that. Yeah, well done. Well done.
3: You're an employer. It's an oh, important yeah, so thing I to know am. as an employer. Yeah. <laughs> so I am. <laughs> Good point.
0: Okay. So, last question. We're going to end with death, which seems fitting. And I'm going to read a chunk of text from the informationsferia.se website, and there'll be a question on this in a moment. It is common for people to hire a funeral director for a funeral. A funeral director is a company specialised in helping families plan and arrange funerals. You can hire a funeral director regardless of what religious beliefs you have. You can also contact a priest, a rabbi, an imam, or any other religious leader for help in planning the funeral. Another option is to contact the municipality's funeral agent, which is an official whose task is to ensure that people who are not members of the Church of Sweden can be buried in a way that is appropriate for them. So the question is, what is this funeral agent, this municipal funeral agent called in Swedish? What is the job title?
3: God, I have no idea
0: that even know it
1: existed. <laughs> so, no. good evening's entrepreneur, that's a normal funeral um, director. That's a sort of commercial funeral director, so Big evening's entrepreneur. Yeah. This, this is, is, is something that
0: the now. municipality has. All municipalities have one. I have no idea. No what idea. No idea.
3: Emma? I don't, I don't think it's called like a big evening's. It's not going to be obvious.
2: I have no idea.
0: You're on the right track. With it does start with "begravnings," which is like
2: funeral.
0: No, it's not like a toastmaster. It's not like a.
2: (laughs) Begravningsombud.
0: Yes, correct, Emma. Mm. Oh.
3: I didn't know that. That was just a guess.
0: Yes. What does "ombud" mean? Uh, it's
2: it's it's an it's an ombud. (laughs) Yeah. You can
3: have a sustainable it's sustainable it's ombud as well, which is like a shop that. You can order alcohol too if you don't have a sustainable luggage.
2: And get
1: it like a week later or something ridiculous.
0: Yeah, so I think you can agree that those were pretty tricky questions. Uh, the the questions in the actual test won't be anything like I said. But, but if anybody wants to see you know, what might be required of them, go on to informationsferia.se and you will be able to read up the, the basics on what it's like to live in Sweden and the sort of the mm. practicalities, and that will give you all you need to know. And there's really there's it's you know it's not that much reading to be honest. Yeah. and it's only
1: English and other languages. It's in multiple languages: So English, Swedish, and other languages. Lots of.
0: Language. They
3: said in the proposal that the test will be in Swedish. It will be at A2 level language, so it will be in simple vocabulary that you should be able to understand if you can understand the, the if you can do the language test. And they will be choosing information from information society, which will be kind of simplified because they said that. information on information is too comprehensive. So like it's not going to be like any kind of weird thing on that website will be included, but they're going to use that as like a basis for choosing the questions.
2: And we've we've written some articles on the site as well, explaining what the tests might look like. I mean, yeah, and I
1: think these questions, like Paul was saying, probably somewhat harder.
2: I just don't want to freak
1: anyone out. (laughs) Seeing as I failed.
0: That's all for this week. Do please give us a review or a rating wherever you listen, or why not tell a friend who you think might enjoy the podcast? Thank you for listening. Our panellists this week were Emma Lovegrain, Becky Waterton and James Savage. I'm Paul O'Mahony and we'll be back again next week with an all new episode of Sweden in Focus. Until then, take care.